Hey y'all, my name is Frank Rivera, and welcome back to a very special episode of Frank and Soul. So I'm actually very excited to share this episode with y'all because as y'all can tell from the title, it is my first episode where I have a guest with me. And as I'm sure y'all can see again from the title, my guest is a great, great friend of mine, Emma. Uh, Emma is currently a student at the University of Illinois Chicago studying sociology and we've been friends for a very long time. We did theater together in high school and we really, you know, may I say we were kind of a power team. We've done a lot of, uh, you know, projects together in high school and um, in theater and really I truly feel like everything she touches in terms of that turns to gold and so having her bless my podcast with her Midas Touch was truly an honor and on a separate note you know going along with that we really got into this topic of death which she actually took a class on it recently and seeing it from that perspective that she brought was so amazing it was just having this sort of conversation it's this is really the reason why I started this podcast was to have these sorts of discussions and see how other people see it and their take on the human experience and whatnot. And just in general, being able to, you know, talk about the concept of death with her was a great gift, as funny as that sounds, because death is very central to the human experience. It's kind of what gives it meaning and value. And, you know, it's a very central concept in spirituality, at least my own spirituality, and there's a million different ways to look at it, and so being able to really go in on it with her was amazing, and she really, I mean, she dropped some bomb advice there at the end, and I'm really excited for y'all to hear it, excited to see how you react to it, anything y'all have to say or anything. So yeah, I mean, I guess Without further ado, here is the discussion that Emma and I had about death, and I'll drop in at the end to um, talk to y'all a little bit more, but for now, uh, enjoy the episode. Thank you for joining me today, Emma. I'm so glad to be here, and thank you for having me. Oh, of course. It's, no, it's completely my honor. Um... And I'm actually really excited to talk about this topic, especially because when you told me that you took a class on death, I was like, we need to get into this. Like, we need to, I mean, death is like such an inherently like spiritual thing, you know, but there's so many different ways to look at it. Well, and the reaction you had just to like the reaction you had to seeing that I was taking a class called Beth was the reaction I had when I was looking through the course catalog and trying to figure out what my final class for the past semester was going to be and I saw that one and had the same reaction you did of like oh my god like I have to find a way to get like take this class right so I guess like we can just, you know, jump right in. Um, I, it is, I do tend to be a little bit interviewee, but it'll be more conversational. So it'll all work out. But okay. the first question I guess I have for you, which this is definitely a loaded question. It's not, an, you know, we don't have to have like a perfect or like um, complete answer. And so like we definitely like it'll be revisited throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the episode. But what going into it or coming out of it, um, 
what do you like believe happens after we die? Okay, so where I'm going to start is probably before, because okay. I, you know, just for some context, I don't have a lot of experience with losing family members. Like it just, right. they, right. like that hasn't happened in my life yet. I know it's going to eventually, but like leading up to taking this class, I had not experienced that. The only, I feel like the first time I really had to grapple with trying to figure out what I thought happened afterwards was, as you know, I'm a theater kid. And we, I think it was in between sophomore and junior year, we went to the Thespian Festival. And for whatever reason that year, a lot of the shows revolved around death in some way. Like it just happened that a lot of the shows that were there and a lot of the shows I went and saw were about death and I like to watch like I'm totally okay watching heavy theater like I love right to watch that that is a ideal show for me I will watch comedy here and there but like a dark yeah you're a drama drama. yeah exactly for sure sure. like I love a drama and I am totally okay with them taking on these really heavy subjects and that week I was having a really hard time, especially towards the end, because I felt like every single show I was going to see was bringing up these topics. Right, you were being bombarded with it. Exactly. And, like, one of the shows was called, like, The Women of Lockerbie, and that entire show is based off of that plane crash of the Pan Am flight that crashed in Europe, and it was one of the first really, like, big terrorist, like crashes of a plane right. and the entire show is around these women who live in this town that are trying to get all the belongings from these victims and mm-hmm. trying to preserve them so when their families finally feel ready to come and see the area they have things that their families could then pick out and say that was my husband that was my kid you know all that right and so that week I was really having a hard time trying to wrap my head around what I thought happened next because it was very in my face like I had to try to internalize and reconcile with all this stuff I was seeing and as someone that comes from a family that doesn't really force faith onto us Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a thing that we were pushed into. We could choose if we wanted to go to church. And it just, it's not been a big thing in our family. I, for, even up until taking this class, I didn't really know what I thought happened. And every time I tried to kind of figure that out within my own head, I went to a really dark place. And then once I would get to that dark place, I would push it away and say I don't want to think about this this is too hard to accept like I can't I don't know what the answer is and and ultimately sad right like you don't have to deal with it necessarily if exactly right like you don't have that necessity of being like I need to figure out what this is so of course like with something so existential and daunting in a way it's like of course I think a lot of people are like oh like let's think about something else right Mm -hmm. yeah and I think now having taken the class I still don't necessarily feel like I know, like, I've got a full concept of what I think happens Mm. next, but I think I've come to terms with the fact that I think that something happens next, and it's not a, as soon as the 
it's called like the death the way we phrase it in class was the death of the person which is all like it's the but it's the end of all things consciousness like you're done you no longer exist you will no longer exist you your consciousness is gone and that's a final thing and i don't think i agree with that like i don't think that's what i think happens i think there and at least for me to live with it i think i have to believe that something else like we go somewhere else like our soul and our consciousness does but I don't I can definitely say I don't think it's like up to like this idealized version of like a heaven or something I don't know if I've just I have been playing with the idea of like maybe like reincarnation or something like that but I definitely don't think it's a the death of the person is the end and that's it Right. And that's interesting that you bring that up because that was actually another question that I had, you know, written down is because I feel like when you're obviously when you're talking about death, one sort of a sub question or something that really guides the way a person sees it is do you believe in the soul or do you believe, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, well, obviously you already answered that in, you know, some sort of way you do. And yeah, like I, it's, even I mean, I don't think anyone really knows. There's a difference exactly. between knowing and believing. So yeah, like I think that sort of um, uncertainty is in a way, I mean, it's healthy to have because it keeps you from ego. It keep, Like no one can be like, oh, I know this is what it is because exactly no one does. That's a place that people uh, go to, for lack of a better word, that no one comes back from. Exactly. So, uh, in a way, it's like we can't have any definite knowledge of what lies beyond exactly like you have to be you eventually have to come with to terms with that and know within yourself like you just have to figure out what your belief is and be comfortable in that because as you said you can't know right so the only way to cope with that really is you have to personally decide what you think happens what you believe happens and no one else has to believe what you believe happens. No one else has to have the same exact view as you as long as you are comfortable and can go about the rest of your life with with that that in the back of your head. Then everything, like, then you have done what everyone struggles with at some point is trying to figure that out. Because even people that were raised, like, for example, my mom was raised very religious she went to Mm -hmm. a school like for the first like for pre-k through eighth grade went to school at her church right and then went to a public high school and she's even talked to me and said that once she went to college she took a class and I think it was it was either a religions class it was something along those lines yeah or like theology or something yeah exactly and she has actually changed her view of what she thinks happens next so like it does not matter whether you were relate you were raised in a very religious home if you had no religion if you had like a in between Mm -hmm. as long as you at the end of the day can figure out what you think is going to happen or what makes it so you can sleep at night even if it's a false pretense to like as long as you can sleep at night because of that decision you've come to, then no one can fault you for that because right. you have found a way to try to cope with a thing that is 
very difficult to cope with. What? I, I like truly like there's nothing else I can add to that to make it more well reasoned. You know what I mean? Like absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and then something that, you know, we were kind of talking about before is this, I, um, I think it's really smart to look at death and its value to us by seeing how things would be if it were removed of this. It's kind of scientific in that way to say, well, what if we were immortal? Like in that sort of way, we can place a lot of value on death and kind of in the same way, life. Um, and I think that's really interesting. So what, tell me more about that. So Tor, this was actually something we spent a decent amount of our last kind of week or two of class kind of trying to delve into was, you know, in general society, death is bad and living forever is good. There's no, like, if you asked anyone on the street, if you had to assign good to one and bad to the other, probably 99% of the people would do it exactly that way. It's 100%, just, yeah. it's a thing that is believed within our society. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it further and you kind of, to make it so your brain can kind of wrap your head around it, you have to kind of put it in this hypothetical situation. And the situation would be, you're going to live forever. You're not going to, like, your health is not going to deteriorate. You're Mm going to, you know, it's going to stay where you're at when you are, you know, bestowed upon, like, this immortality is bestowed upon you. Yeah, like how Edward became a vampire. Yeah, like. Exactly. Like, once you, once that it's determined you're going to be immortal, you're not going to, you know, suffer any of the negative health side effects that come with aging. Sure. So you're going to essentially live the life you're living now Mm -hmm. just forever. And when you think about it, at first, your brain, the instinct is to say, oh, yeah, that's great, because that's what we've been conditioned to believe. But when you actually look at it, it comes back to that idea of the brain is eventually whatever hobbies you have now, whether you like to cook, you know, you like play video games, you ski, you know, whatever Whatever you do to enjoy yourself and whatever career you have decided you want to pursue and you think it's going to make you happy, eventually you're going to get bored of that. And it doesn't, you know, if you add a hundred years to your life, you know, you live to 200 instead of a hundred, you know, maybe you you might get a little bored, but you know, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But if you live forever, right that is, it's very hard to grasp just how long forever really is. Like, that is, it is literally forever. Forever. It's It's an eternity, yeah. Exactly. It's an infinite number of years, which means you can literally not put a number on it. Like, you cannot say, this is the end point. And when you think about that, you think about living forever. And also in the scenario, we're going to say that your family and your friends get to live forever too. So you're not going to have to suffer through. Oh, okay. Okay. That's, I know it's another interesting layer. So you're not going to have to suffer through Like you're not going to lose your family and friends to the thing you are not having to deal with, which is right. death. Okay. So you're you, not, you're not the only one exempt. Exactly. You're not the only one that's been given this, you know, immortality. immortality. So 
it's not as great as it actually seems because you're going to get bored of your life. Like inevitably your brain is not going to want to do like the same things every single day, which makes sense when you think about it. If you're someone that drives the same route to work every single day, eventually, even in your life now, in about gets to exactly that will get to you. And the same thing will happen with your career and your hobbies and your likes and your dislikes, all that stuff. Right. And even your relationships. Exactly. All of that would happen to you because you're living such a long amount of time Mm -hmm. that it makes immortality less desirable when you really think about it. Like when you think, yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry. Well, when you think it's just one of those things that like you are told all your life, you want to live as long as possible. And that only good things will happen if you continue to live longer. Mm -hmm. But when you really look at the circumstances even in this idealized situation where your family and your friends get to live forever and you're going to be in perfect health and all of these things that you would think would make it good, it actually is not something most people would pick for themselves. Right. Right. No, completely. And I think that that shows, you know what I mean? I don't think that, um, humans or rather I guess a better way to put it is I don't think that the human experience is meant to be lived forever because in that I mean just by the same explanation by the same reasoning things um the the transience the impermanence of things is what does give them value when you would do appreciate them you know in the current moment um it's just like we and I and I think part of it is also comes from as a culture in general, we are kind of removed from death. We don't, I mean, for you and I, for example, I'm in the same boat as you. I haven't really had someone that's very near and close to me, near and dear to me, pass away. The only example I can think of is my great grandma. She passed away in 2015, which of course I'm not like bursting with joy about it, but I didn't really see her all too often. I didn't really know her too well. Whereas like just, you know, for the sake of comparison, um, ancient humans so like the first humans first of all by the time that they were our age they were probably dead yeah and so they had to deal with death in a much closer way they had to you know dispose of the corpse they had to see people die you know if the you know they always bring up the saber-toothed tiger the saber-toothed tiger they see it maul the human in front of them and they see life slipping away from them quite literally And so they were, I think, a lot more connected and in contact with it. And because of that, I think that the idea of life, so life, birth, even sex in a way, um, was a lot more central to them. And in a way, I think we've kind of come away from that in that we've developed, this is going to sound like a little bit of a jump, but we've developed this egoic mind to sort of say, no, hold on to it. Life is something that you can hoard and something that you can accumulate more of. And the more that you accumulate, the more that it's worth. But that's not necessarily true, you know? Yeah. And I think that mindset that we have as a society moved to has been a disservice to ourselves. Yeah. Because you, life is not money you can't just keep hoarding it and getting more of it and it's going to make things better the more of it you get. It's 
that's not true because that's right. just how life is. There are goods and there are bads. 100%. And so the way we have moved away from the life is the precious thing and we should keep, we should live life to its fullest and all of these things, like that is something we should be doing and not focusing so much on what the end of life right. is going to be because right. at the end of the day like we all are gonna have to cope with mm-hmm. death of loved ones of friends and then eventually our own mm-hmm. and if we center our lives around that mm-hmm. what kind of life are we actually living right you're living in the future you're not living in the present moment because you're really what you're doing is you are projecting sort of this like you're letting the the future project onto your now and you're living almost in a way you're living in fear and exactly that is kind of like i feel like i think i've seen it described before as like death worship in a way like you place so much fear and importance on this concept of death that you let life slip away from you. Exactly. Um, And that, yeah, as you said, like, I think in a, you put it very well, death or life is not money. And in a way it's sort of been started to be conceptualized as such. And it's not, it's really not. Exactly. And there, the one thing like that I feel like we need to move away the most from is that idea that the more years of life, the more days of life, the more seconds of life you get, the better your life is. Right. Because we talked about that a lot in class is there is that concept of the more life you get, the better off you have been. And in some circumstances, maybe that's true. But when you really break it down, it's actually you need to compare it to how many good things Mm -hmm. and those are like how many good things happen in your life and how many bad things happen in your life. And you can get into whole philosophical arguments about what's good, what's considered good, what's considered bad. There's whole schools of thought that are around what that is. So that's something, one thing I took from the class that I feel like I don't necessarily agree with kind of going into there's like three main schools of thought for that and I don't think I agree with any of them okay I kind of make my own idea of what the goods and what the bad are and that's each person can do that for themselves like figure out what you think the goods are and what you think the bads are Mm -hmm. and at the end you're the number of goods you have to the number of bads will determine if it was good not the number of years not the number of days not the number of seconds you lived but how many good things that you categorize as good things happen, subtract the number of bad things. Right, that, that ratio, that balance, yeah. Exactly. Which it's, I mean, in a, in a way, it is sort of a simplistic, more way of looking at it, but it's true. And I think it's really interesting that you bring up this aspect of time, because it's actually, the book that I'm reading right now, it's called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And it does talk a lot about this time aspect of things. And we have started to put a lot of emphasis on time and we are in a way restricted by it. We are because it then that feeds right back into this idea of nowadays in the current world we live in, time is money. 
-hmm. And that's a common phrase. And that goes right in, like right hand in hand with this idea of life as money. And which it's not, it's, it's, these are delusions in a way that we've been, you know, conditioned or fed into us. And the the more that we are able to break that um, hold that it has, I think the more we're able to appreciate the life that we're living. Not everything has to be, um, you know, longer. Not everything has to, you know, be more productive. Um, it just, it is what it is, and you have to take it in that sort of way in order for it to um, give meaning. And that actually, that's this is another main point that I wrote down that I wanted to touch on a little bit is. Um, death as um in the role that it plays specifically the reason i say this is because i took a class on buddhism but death is actually one of these realizations that the buddha had so he's like the buddha before he's um the buddha before he's like actually the the wise man he's living in this palace like with all this comfort he has all these ladies and these women and these riches and these armies and his his father is a king and he's a prince and whatever but he leaves and he leaves the palace one day and he sees these things. He sees, I think he sees like a sick, a poor man, a sick man, an old man, and then finally a dead man. And he realizes like, oh, that's where the Buddha has that realization of life is, or death is what gives meaning to life. And if we do die, there's something more to all this, you know? And that's, I mean, death ultimately in that way gives him the realization of the beauty of life and everything. And I just think there's even when he's like right about to come to the realiza realization of enlightenment, um, the God, the goddess of death or the embodiment of death sort of challenges him. And I think that's just as a metaphor, that's really what we're talking about here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I will say, in terms of, I'm trying to think how to put it, a lot of my views, like, yes, I took this class, but also I feel like a lot of what I kind of have used to interpret life and death and all those things is, I do kind of fall into that camp of, I put a little too much emphasis on time. But it's not because I want to necessarily. It comes from a place of, and this is going to get a little personal, but like go off, go we, off. Alzheimer's runs in my family. Like my mm -hmm. grandmother, I think it was her, it was either her mom or her dad got it. Mm -hmm. She now has it. My dad has two other siblings. So theoretically, one of them has to have it. Yeah. And then when you go down from that, it's me and my sister. Mm -hmm. so there's like a 50% chance I have it and the other 50% chance that she has it. So right. I feel like a lot of the way I live my life has been centered around this idea of it's not just I have a ticking time on how long I'm going to be alive, mm -hmm. but there could also be a alternate like clock on right. how long my brain is going to be right. here, how long it's going to under it's going to function properly because like I've watched mm -hmm. it destroy this yeah. woman that I grew up with 
and I've watched it literally take her away from me. And yet I could go an hour from here right now and go see her, mm-hmm. but she is not there. And so I feel like a lot of the way I've tried to, it's like, I've known that was coming for years. Mm-hmm. It was always this thing we all knew it was going to happen. Right. It's not like you were surprised but, by it or anything. like you, exactly. in theory, you even like were able to prepare for it, but really you're not, you're not able to prepare for anything like that. Exactly. And I feel like a lot of, and I feel like anyone who is in this situation where they have some type of health issue in their family that they know will somehow inhibit some part of that person's life, but then they will still be alive while that thing is destroying them, essentially. Right. I feel like a lot of it, we put so much emphasis on time Mm -hmm. because of that, like, external factor that we grow up knowing that this thing is coming. And And I think it's something that, at the end of the day, is something we shouldn't do like it's hard to not do it because it's this thing you've known like if you have I know there's not any actual like they haven't actually located exactly which gene mm-hmm. is responsible for this being passed down mm-hmm. it's been known that mm-hmm. it is passed down there are yeah. families that are examples my family is an example mm-hmm. and I think we're doing ourselves a disservice by putting so much emphasis on it. And that's not to say to ignore it because it's coming, but I feel like they're like, we have to move away from this idea of almost like structured time things. Right. Like in my head, it was always, there is the life before Mm -hmm. this disease started to take over and then there's life after right and that is not necessarily a healthy way to think about it right because in a certain way it's like I don't know I mean correct me if I'm wrong but it's like in a little bit of a way you do kind of live with a fear of when that day comes and sometimes though it's not a day It's not, you know, we look at it as, oh, it's a timer. And when it gets to zero, bam, it's that instant switch that it's sometimes it's a process, you know, and so you're really in a way you're doing a disservice to that person who you are, um, who you are in danger of losing by acting as if you already have lost them, you know? Exactly. And that's something I harbor some regret about. Because this has been a thing we've seen it, like, she would forget her keys, you know, mix up which grandchild's name, like, you know, just the little things that start to be signs. And I kind of went into that place of like, oh, it's happening. It's happening. Right. But, and like, it was getting worse and we moved back to Illinois and I noticed it was definitely worse and like, Mm -hmm. but she was still there. Right. Like I could, she could still come to our house. She didn't necessarily know exactly who I was, but then sometimes it would click and she would ask me, there was one time she was here. My grandpa was helping my dad with something. And so I was in, 
I will use the word in charge of just watching her to right. make sure she didn't wander off because you know that's something once that happens. People yeah. start losing their memory. That's something that happens. And so I was tasked with watching her. And at first I could tell she was uncomfortable and then something clicked that she at least somehow knew who I was. And then she started asking me like if I had a boyfriend or like, Aww. you know, those things that like, yeah. you know, a grandma would do. Right. And it was like, I could still see she was a little there, but in my head, I had already gone to the place of right. she's gone. Right. And then in, oh, what was, I think it was like October she took a really bad turn mm-hmm. and we thought like my mom and I were like figuring out what black dresses we owned like we were we yeah. were that close right. we were that close and then she came back from it in terms of her physical body got better yes. but her memory is back it's like she yeah. barely knows who my dad is now right. and so it was that thing of like something you bringing up like you can't necessarily let that get into your head that's something I did Mm -hmm. and I cannot let like if I were to like give a speech to a bunch of people who are about to go through this the first thing I would say was it is not they are not lost until Mm -hmm. they are so don't let yourself get in your head too early about it because when they finally don't know who you are anymore and they never know who you are anymore you're gonna regret having in your head said this person is no longer here right like like they're still there and to an extent they probably still know who you are and you have to take advantage of that as long as possible because as you said it's not a timer that just goes from like that just keeps ticking down eventually it's at zero and there's a set day and suddenly they go from having a decent memory to To, none it's such a slow it's a gradient it's a gradient yeah exactly and I and think so that's something I just I definitely right. regret and would advise anyone listening who has to go through that don't get ahead of yourself on that you right. will know the day and it will suck when you walk in to talk to whoever it is and yeah. they don't know who you are that day will suck but if you let yourself think that day has come before it actually has yeah you're shooting yourself in the foot Exactly. You are. You are shooting yourself in the foot. And this is, I mean, I I wonder, like, I'm just going to say what I think about it, and then you let me know how you would Mm -hmm. respond to that. But I think in a certain way, that personhood that, like, because, you know, we talk about death of the body versus death of the person. I do think that that personhood is still within. It's still there. Um, And I don't really know uh, you know, I, I do biochemistry. I don't really know the exact molecular, uh, like hormonal or structural or like how the way that, you know, memory diseases like this work. But I really do believe that on the soul level that that person is still there. It's just being almost like blocked or, um, you know, it can't come out. But I do think in a way, even by still going and by still spending time with that person, even if it, um, you know, it, it can be hard, it, it, especially for the person that's lucid, it can be hard. But I do think that still by showing that compassion and by spending that time, you do in a way, there is a spiritual uh, gift that you give them by doing that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I get what you're saying. Like, I definitely think that, like, her spirit is still there. 
Right. Like I just from like random things that will she'll say, mm-hmm. it'll be like I like yes. Like she yeah, does like it this pops thing. out sometimes like that. Exactly. Like she used to knit all the time. Mm-hmm. She like that was her thing. And so now she'll fiddle with her hands. Right. And it looks like she's and so it's those little things I'm like, okay. At the end of the day, her spirit's still there. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean but there is, I don't know, I feel like personally, you do have to, person by person, determine how much you can put up with. Like, I have a really hard time going in to see her, just because I know we're at that point where she does not, like, she used to recognize me, and now she doesn't at all. Absolutely. Every time I go in there, she has no idea. And so, each, so even though I know this, her spirit is still there. Right. Sometimes you do have to draw that line and say, I'm comfortable with the fact that I know her spirit is still there, but I also cannot put myself in that situation. Absolutely, because it's painful. It's painful. It really is. Um, and, you know, you know, it's not because, and I know you, and I know, you know, the way that you think, and I know that you, you're not like, oh, it's her fault. I know you probably don't feel any resentment towards her, but it's just the circumstance. It's the nature of the disease that, that, you know what I mean? Like, that's really what is causing that pain. Um, Exactly. Yeah. It's one of those things that there is no cure, and even the drugs they have to try to like slow down the progression right. don't work all that well like they're right. it's still they're just it's still being developed in that field that medicine and everything exactly and it costs a lot of money and it's a thing that you can't, like it's so slow moving mainly because well there's a couple reasons it's slow moving one of the reasons is they thought for a long time they had figured out what gene it was that mm-hmm. was being passed down mm-hmm. and that was proven incorrect Right. So they were studying this gene for so long, thinking it was the one. And then they come to find out years later, it's not. Right. And then the other thing is, it's a brain. You can't just cut into someone's brain while they're alive. So you have to right. wait for people to pass on before you can try to study all of the brain, like to study right. the brain to figure out what's going on. And at that point already, you've lost a lot of information that you had while it was alive exactly and so it's I feel like that a lot of me taking the death class came from my entire life I've known this thing was coming and it finally showed up Mm -hmm. and so now we're at the point where now we I don't want to say it's a waiting game because of course like I want her to live as long as right. possible, a healthy life. Exactly. Like, eventually, she's going to have to pass on because that's just a thing that happens in life. It's something everyone. It's a universal fact. Everyone's gonna have to deal with it. And so I feel like this was the time I needed to take this class. Like, I'm so glad I didn't take it the first semester because I had all these things I was trying to work through. Mm-hmm. And then taking this class while trying to work through that, I feel like has shaped me trying to figure out what is going on. And I've been able to think about the topic more. 
mm-hmm. without going to that dark place. Right. Like before right. I could not go five minutes without thinking about what comes next. Right. Without in then needing to like completely like 180 think of something else. Right. Now I feel like I can actually try to figure it out for myself right. in a healthy, productive way. Yeah. And do you think that's maybe because now with this class or like when you were taking the class, it's not necessarily something that you're like, this happens only to me. This doesn't only cause my pain. It's a universal experience. Do you think that's part of it? I think that's definitely helped. And I think it's, I'm trying to think how to put it. I think that helped. And I think it also helped because the class, as we were speaking about earlier, kind of focusing on life more than death, that was a thing we did a lot in the class. Right. We looked more at life as opposed to death because the whole premise was trying to figure out why do we have such negative feelings right. about this Oh, thing. that's really powerful. Like, For, why do we have all these... Especially as it fits into your story. Like, that's really powerful. Exactly. It's like, why do we have all these negative feelings about this thing that everyone has to go through? Right. Like, if this is a thing that is going to happen to every one of us, it is, mm-hmm. like, a, it's just inevitable. Mm-hmm. I've also, I, a phrase that really stuck with me was death is the great equalizer, because at the end of the day, it is. It is. It does not, and that, I will preface that with the saying of, this is not a discussion of how you die, right? or, you know, it doesn't matter race, gender, any of that, just the death part itself is the equalizer, because everyone has to go through it. Right, all humans, and I think not even, when you look at death as not only the end of life, but just the end of something, you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, Everything dies, everything, it's, going back, you know, and this is more on the, you know, Buddhist way of looking at it, everything is impermanent. And that death is, that's what makes it impermanent. You know, everything will come to an end, even something that you don't even think of as living a, you know, for example, like a a rock outside or something that is not going to be around forever. You know what I mean? Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. I do want to say one last thing yes oh please and it's more of an on an uplifting note for anyone in your audience listening yeah that do some like if you're really struggling to figure out what it what you think it is Mm -hmm. happens and that doesn't matter if you have the super religious background or if you don't like I don't I would really suggest looking at some philosophical arguments Mm -hmm. about the topic because I feel like it really helped because this death class was a philosophy class. There's the philosophy of death. And I feel like it does a good job of, you might not necessarily understand the argument they're trying to make, but the, the pieces themselves do a good job of kind of breaking down the different aspects of death in a way that makes it easier for you to try to wrap your brain around it. Right, it's not such a monolith. Exactly, death is not just one thing, it's not just, like, it's multifaceted. Right. So you have to, I would say, look, do a little philosophical research and kind of break parts of it down a little more. Yeah. Because I found that really helped me try to wrap my brain around it and 
figure out yeah. what I thought happened. Right. For sure. For sure. Go off. Yeah. Go <laughs> off. Um, well, I just want to thank you again for coming on here and, you know, being vulnerable and sharing your human experience. You know, I mean, you already know this. I'm, al I'm always here for you. I'm always in your corner. <laughs> this is, um, you know, but yeah. Um, thank you so much. And, um, yeah. Thank you for having me on. It was of course. a lot of fun. No, and you're going to be on here again, girl. You don't even worry about it. Um, okay, good. <laughs> I already know. I hope y'all enjoyed this discussion with Emma on death. I, I had such a great time recording this episode. It was so good to, you know, really, I mean, ultimately just go in really hard on this topic and look at it through that more uh, philosophical approach at it instead of the more spiritual or religious and, you know, kind of hippy dippy, so to speak, way that I usually think about it. It shows up in tarot and things like that, but really getting Emma's perspective on it was really um, enriching, ultimately. That's what it was. So that is all I have for today's episode. I hope y'all enjoyed, and I will be releasing another, you know, guest episode soon. If you would like to be a guest, please don't hesitate to let me know and contact me. But for now, I hope y'all have a great morning, afternoon, or night, and kisses and love. Bye. Mwah.